Pulp MX Network production. To this day, when I hear that song, I see you standing there on that lawn. Discount shades, store bought tank, flip flops, and cut off jeans. Somewhere between that. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's industry seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Pro Glow Wash, Works Connection, Bass Foundry, TL Speed Shop, Grandstone Boots, and Fly Racing. Welcome to an off weekend. Seems weird to say that in January, right? Episode of the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas, as always. And yeah, what a weird week uh, we had for the first time since I think 1970 something. Davey Coombs actually went back and researched it. We had a race canceled due to rain and conditions. Uh, and I shouldn't say canceled, it's been postponed to the February 18th off uh, scheduled off weekend. And, and I'm going to lend some insight, all the things that were going on behind the scenes in the moment, uh, because I was scheduled to work with uh, the Feld crew and NBC crew uh, this, well, it would have been yesterday, and things were happening really fast. So I'll kind of cover that. But before we get into all the uh, off-season occurrences and, and things that we can talk about without any racing, let's thank the sponsors of this podcast, Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Pro Glow Wash, International Vet MX Series, TL Speed Shop, Works Connection, Fast Foundry, Grant Stone Boots, Fly Racing rounds out that crew, and I'll get into those in a little bit more detail as we go on. But yeah, man, what a what a week. I had been in California. I was going to stay back. Well, I did stay back and I uh, went to Vegas, did the Pulp Show on Monday night and then was back in Orange County on Tuesday visiting various media outlets, uh, seeing dealers and doing all kinds of things that my fly racing role would entail. And we all kind of wondered what you know the weekend was going to bring. Um, I think we all assumed that we would go racing rain or shine because that's that's always been the norm. Um, but you know, with with SMX this year, we had more off weekends. Well, just specifically one added off weekend, which was going to be on February 18th, and that was trying to give more off weekends throughout the season because we were adding three races. We had removed one outdoor event, so they're they're really trying to take some of the burden off of these teams because think about it, we're racing into October now, which is not normal. So to accommodate, they added that February 18th weekend. We have April or uh, the Easter weekend off again, and then there are more outdoor weekends off. Well, as the weather deteriorated more and more leading up to the event, I think Feld just started thinking, you know, how are we going to pull this event off? And if we can even have a race, what's that really going to look like? Is it going to be worth anyone spending their hard-earned money to show up? What is that going to look like on national television? Is this a good idea? And I'm sure that was a difficult dynamic for everybody involved. I would sure a lot of that weighed on Dave Prater to kind of make the final call there. And 
from my perspective, early on, it was just like, nah, we're, we're going racing. I did hear a few rumors about them trying to relocate on that February, or excuse me, on this weekend. Like they were going to move it somewhere, but I don't think, you know, being so last minute, I don't think there was time to really do that, you know, source dirt, get equipment there, relocate, because, you know, A2, well, I shouldn't say A2, having it at Anaheim again, I think, was an immediate answer for a lot of people that aren't involved. I'm saying outside of Feld, a lot of people thought, well, they'll just do it at Anaheim again. Well, there's a Monster Jam event. There was a Monster Jam event scheduled there, so I don't think they could do that. And that that just th- throws a wrench in everything because they're not going to throw off Monster Jam's schedule as well. Um, so I'm sure they looked at every single option, and, and first and foremost, they just had to postpone it. I don't think they, you know, they looked at the forecast – there's power outages everywhere in the Bay Area right, all week. Uh, the stadium itself was running on backup generators. And to try to hold an event of that caliber with you know, the, the reputation and the respect it deserves on backup power where no one can really do anything anyway, plus you're going to get torrential rains throughout the weekend on top of it, as challenging and as much of, you know, as many difficulties as that caused – I have to think that was the right call. Um, and we'll get into the challenges that, that it's going to create. But I think just first and foremost, to make the call to postpone, it had to be a heavy one like that. The ripple effects that that caused are seemingly endless for everybody involved, riders, teams, myself, fans. I mean, you, you know, Feld staff, everybody, television, right? Uh, they had to reschedule whatever they were going to put on television for the weekend. So there, there are just so many things that all change because of that decision. So I, I can't even imagine, I, I don't have enough you know, perspective to even know all the things that had to be moved around. And when that news comes down, everybody just goes into, you know, like, oh my gosh, I got to change everything. So I was actually on a call uh, for with the race day live crew, uh, kind of a pre-show rehearsal type thing going through the weekend. When that news came down, um, Doug Cabrera broke into the call and said, Hey, this is breaking news. The race is getting postponed. Um, so we were like, Oh wow. Okay. Well, I guess we don't need, (laughs) I guess we don't need to continue this call anymore because everything that we're going to set up and talk about is, you know, we're a week out now. So, that all went down, and then I went into a NBC call right after that. They were back-to-back, and you know the news had already broke that we were going to postpone Oakland, but everybody was kind of like, okay, let's get on this call and start thinking about San Diego a little bit, and let's work through the changes that now that, San, that Oakland is, is postponed. And then the news broke in that meeting that the February 18th weekend was a go. So... Yeah, a lot was happening in a two-hour span. You know, we were getting all of the, hey, you can't post anything. This is all, you know, embargoed information for another couple of hours. So we were all trying to plan individually, but we couldn't share information with other people. We couldn't really do a lot with it because they wanted, you know, rightfully so, Feld wanted to be the one to share the info and share it properly. Because if you had just have individuals sharing all this stuff, it you know you, that's how rumors get started and misinformation spreads. But when you get one concise PR with all of the information in it, I think it's much more controlled. So it was a wild couple of hours. You know the the scenarios that were 
unfolding minute by minute were interesting to say the least. Uh, my plans as far as travel, work, where I was going to be, um, all those things were again, changing by the minute, you know, I was changing flights and hotels and where am I going to be? And all these things were happening. Uh, yeah, I didn't really, you know, I wasn't able to execute or anything. Like it wasn't actionable yet because I didn't know if I was gonna, when I was going to go home or, you know, if Oakland is going to be rescheduled or canceled or what the, the full scenario looked like. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty interesting few hours. I'll say that now on the back end of that, once the February 18th date was established, then I think everybody started looking at what that does to the schedule. And then everybody was like, Oh no, because if you look at this, the schedule now will go, you know, we'll go to San Diego this coming weekend and the weather looks great after like Tuesday. So that'll be nice. Should be sunny. It's going to be difficult on the track builders. That's, that's for sure because they're going to have probably some really soggy wet dirt to work with initially, but you're talking about three or four days of sunshine leading up to the race. I think we'll be fine. Could it be like a one was maybe, maybe it's like that. Maybe it's soft transitions are bad and all that. But I think with that much sun, that many days in a row leading up and they can pump the water and do all those things, keep turning the dirt over, maybe build the, build the track pretty late into the weekend, cancel press day. Those are all things that you could, uh, you could do to help. And, and I think we'll be fine on Saturday. Um, but that's, that's just kind of how it looks like a week out, but we go San Diego, then a two, right? So pretty easy. The teams are still home. They didn't even go to Oakland. So that's all been pretty nice. Easy travel, San Diego, easy travel to a two, but that's where it starts to go sideways because they will then head east, go to Houston, which is the normal progression of things. It's, it's fine. Get to Houston, do our thing, then head further east to Tampa, which is obviously all. So now we've made a trip all the way across the country. That'll be February 11th for, for Tampa. Now, instead of having an off weekend, that February 18th was, was originally scheduled to be off. So the teams would likely leave their, or they would probably drive their trucks back to Texas because the next round on the schedule would have been Arlington. And then they would have flown home for an off week, which would be nice. Everybody loves that kind of dynamic. You fly home, you get everything dialed in, sits in Texas for a week, go home, come back, and then you're ready to go. But (laughs) now you think about it, they've got to go all the way from Tampa, February 11, to Oakland the following weekend so that gives them four or five days before you've got to be there for setup. So now they've got to hire an extra driver because there's just no way to get there. Like you can't physically drive there with, you know, these truck drivers have logs and a, a limited amount of hours they can drive each day. So you've got to get, in most cases, I'm not saying it's everybody has to do this, but I think in most cases they will get an extra driver to add hours that that truck can be on the road to get there. So the extra expense of that, think about the extra cost of diesel, adding an entire trip and back across the country, right? So Tampa to Oakland and then Oakland back to, to Texas. Um, it's a huge expense that's just been added, not only for the teams, but for Feld too. So everybody that's going to yell and complain to Feld, I've been down this road with them and they're like, hey, we have like 19 semi trucks on the road. I think that's what it is for Supercross. It's either 18 or 19. So they, they get it, right? This is a huge cost, added cost for them too. They're, they're bearing the brunt of this probably much to a much further extent than the teams are. Think about the cost of 19 trucks, extra drivers, all the things that they have to add in there as well. So this, 
this decision doesn't come easy. And I think that's where Dave Prater has done a good job of like, hey, man, like we didn't make this take this decision or make this decision lightly because we're getting killed on budget just as badly or worse than everybody else is. So Oakland back to Arlington for the February 25th weekend and then back to Daytona. So over the course of three weeks, you've gone or four weeks, you've gone Houston or A2, Houston, Tampa, Oakland, Dallas, Daytona. I, it, do, it just doesn't get any worse than that for privateers, factory teams, Feld, you know, my, you know, my interest, Western Power Sports, our trucks, our drivers, our travel, just everybody is just going to take it on the chin as far as travel budgets. But you look at it, what can they really do? They're not going to cancel the race. They, they, everybody wants 17 rounds. Uh, you know, I think having Oakland on the schedule, they're, you know, having something in the Bay Area is important. There's a lot of Northern California race fans. It's just a tough one. It's a really tough weekend for it. And and that's nobody's fault. You know, had it been later in the series when we were out West, like Salt Lake, that Denver Salt Lake run, that would have been a lot easier, but it's too late by then. There's probably no openings. And more importantly, baseball season is going on. And I think that's the toughest part of this is that once baseball season starts rolling for the Oakland Athletics, everything goes out the window because those guys play like they play baseball like every day and there's just no time to get dirt in dirt out have a race and get it back to baseball playing level uh, in that time span so it wasn't I don't think an easy thing for them to put together I think this was really the only option outside of completely canceling Oakland altogether and from what I have surmised I don't think that's something they want to do because if you I, I, we went down this this path during COVID. If you cancel a round and it goes a round gets removed from the series, all of the contracts change. And if you are a sponsor that maybe is going through difficult times, or maybe you're just uh, you want to litigate, you the contracts void at that part, right? Feld has not, and this is my I, I'm not a lawyer, but this is my take on it, is that Feld has then breach contract on some level if they don't run 17 rounds and if you wanted to really get you know legally involved you could make a case that they owe you money back if you're a sponsor now i don't think most sponsors would want to do that i think everybody's very happily involved with the series i know speaking for western power sports and fly racing we are that's not a path we would ever go down we paid all the money during covid year when we had seven races in salt lake and no fans we still made good on everything we were supposed to pay and Feld, I think Feld was very appreciative of that. And I know it wasn't the easiest decision for us to make either. We were losing a ton of value, not having fans in the stands, not having activation in the pits, not getting to bring our dealers to the race. That was tough, right? But we, I felt we did the right thing, but not everybody has the same approach to it. And I think it just creates a lot of problems and opens a door that Feld doesn't want to open. They don't want to approach that at all in any way. So I think this was just the right thing for them to do and, and just made sure that they didn't have any issues with anybody who wanted to create a problem. Um, that, that's my take on it. Now, that's way outside the purview of most fans. Most fans don't care. But that's something that comes into play here when you're looking at, okay, let's just cancel the round. Somebody on the legal team at Feld is going, whoa, 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 like, please don't open that door. We, not to say anybody would want to 
open, you know, not to say anybody would walk through that door, but that's not something that you want to open easily. Um, so in the end, yes, is it a really, really tough slog for these, for anybody that has to do the driving or plan travel or budgets. Um, but in the end, I, I do think this was the right thing. I think they made the right call and I, and I don't think that was very easy. So that's my take on the whole situation. We'll be there. Um, you know, I get to help NBC more rounds. I, I'm going to get to help NBC starting this weekend in San Diego. That's a brand new development. I just found out on Friday. So I'm very excited that I'm getting more opportunities there. I'm, I'm, I hope I get to do even more down the road. Like I didn't know I was going to get to, to do San Diego. I didn't know I was going to get to do Oakland. But now I get to do both. And maybe as we go... I get to do more and more. That, that's my hope because I, I love doing that stuff. So that's kind of how it all played out. We'll roll into San Diego. And, you know, I wanted to get into how did the riders approach this because some guys had great, a great A1 and they're riding a high, right? So it's like, awesome, man. I'll get an off weekend. Cool. Get some training in. Get to enjoy it. You know, I saw RJ Hampshire was at Big Bear over the weekend. That's awesome. Get some time off. Spend with family. Do something outside of riding your dirt bike. And after a great A1, your mental space, like you're just how you're approaching these races, you're, you're awesome, right? You can't wait for San Diego. Everything's clicking. Um, but for some of the other guys that had a rough A1, and I think of like uh, Jason Anderson, uh, take your pick of the guys that just think about whoever had a tough go. Like Ken Roxon got fifth place, not bad, but I don't think it necessarily went to plan for him. I think for those guys, it's a really good opportunity to hit the reset button because if you came off A1, you go to Oakland, it's another mud race. Maybe it doesn't go awesomely again. You, it's just not how you pictured this season starting. And I can promise you for Jason Anderson, he had you know, big picture ideas going into a one, like I'm going to win the race. I'm going to start this series off on the right foot and I'm going to, you know, start the path towards winning this championship. And then in the first time qualifying session of the year, you go over the bars, you break your nose and you completely ruin the vibe, like air quotes around vibe for the day. He just never looked the same. Right. And you could say the same for Christian Craig, right? Dean Wilson, whoever, but there were a bunch of guys that it just didn't go to plan. Marvin Muscan, another perfect one. Justin Barsha didn't go to plan. These guys are should be battling for top fives. They weren't even able to stay inside the top 10. So that's not ideal. And if I'm guiding them, or I'm, I'm sure they're smart enough to figure this out for themselves, but you just pretend A1 didn't happen, right? And you go into what will be a dry San Diego and you just say, this is the first race of the series. Forget about A1. Never happened. I don't even care what the points say. San Diego is now the series opener. And all the things that I was thinking about on Saturday morning of Anaheim 1, now is the time to do those things. Like forget, forget Oakland canceled or postponed. Forget about A1 crashes. Forget about all of that. Keep the points away from me. And we're just going to start the series right here. And wait a few weeks and we'll see where we're at. And then I'll look at the points, but it's just such a great opportunity. If you can approach it the right way to get this series restarted exactly how you originally planned it to be. Now on the opposite side of that coin is Tomac, Jet Lawrence, RJ, McAdoo, these guys that had great openers, Cooper Webb. They're like, yeah, man, great. 
I'm not, what do you mean forget A1? Heck no, I'm not forgetting A1. That was awesome. And we're going to just keep the ball rolling. So there's a huge divergence there of how these guys are approaching San Diego or how, how they should, right? Everybody has, it's up to them, their own discretion. And maybe they just can't block it out. But that's what I would be trying to do. I would try to completely forget about whatever happened at the opener and just think about, okay, we're starting the series here instead of a 17 round series. We're, we're, going to go to 16 and A1 is forgotten about. Um, that That's what I would do anyway. I do want to talk about the sponsors a little bit here since uh, this is going to be a shortened show. Uh, Pirelli Tires, if you go to at Pirelli MX on Instagram, there is a link in their bio to sign up for their rider support program. Really cool thing they do and, and offer that up. You can get discounts on Pirelli and you can be a part of their racing team for 2023. Guts Racing, they have, uh, they've entered the e-bike market. This is a huge deal for them. They have seat covers available for the Sarant, the uh, Talaria, Super 73, and Segway. Um, they're adding the actual seat bases too. And I think long-term, it's going to be just an all-in-one package. Like you won't be able to separate those things. It'll just be, hey, if you want to upgrade your seat and seat cover for these e-bikes, go to Guts Racing and they will dial you in. That market is exploding. Most of you probably listening have a mountain bike or e-bike. So check out Guts Racing. Obviously, they have all the power sports things. They sponsor Rockstar Husqvarna. Um, have that, that team looking great. Um, they, Dean Wilson used that RJ wide wing seat for years over at, at Rockstar Husky. Um, so check out Guts Racing. Plum Creek Funding, good news if you're in the market for that, refi or uh, buying a new house. Rates were back down in the fives this week. Um, prices are down too, right? So I was talking to Zach Morris at Plum Creek Funding this week and that's the upside, right? Okay, yes, rates aren't at 3% anymore. We talked about that for years you missed that window for now, but prices have significantly come down from that time. So if you could put more cash down now, like I think that gives you a great opportunity. Finance less at a little bit higher rate. Yes, you're in the fives, but prices have come down. So this is an approach I'm looking at doing is I'm trying to save as much cash as possible. So when prices continue to fall and they come down and I feel like we're at a bottom, that's a guessing game. No one has a crystal ball for that. But when I feel like prices have bottomed and wherever rates are, I'm gonna to try to put as much cash down as possible, finance as little as possible so I don't have to pay that exorbitant you know, uh, interest rate. And then I'm gonna get the best deal possible. Now I probably missed the best opportunity for that a few years ago, but again, we don't know where things are gonna go. And if we go into a recession in 2023, which most people are calling for, prices are probably going to come down even more. So I'm going to be as patient as possible. I'm going to utilize Plum Creek funding to get, you know, the best interest rate possible. And then I'm going to try to get the best price possible as prices come down. So that's, that's what I would recommend. But again, whether you're in California, Colorado, Nevada, Texas, or Florida, Plum Creek funding has your answer and just reach out to Zach and ask questions, right? I told you my strategy. I'm not a professional. Zach can give you the best advice and kind of give you the big picture of what he sees across all these different states. Fast Foundry, big business, small business, whatever, if you're doing a virtual event, uh, if you need help with your accounting side, right? Like QuickBooks is awesome, but it only goes so far, right? You can only get so particular with things like that. Reach out, reach out to Fast Foundry and see how they can help you make your business as efficient as possible. They're the experts in this field. Um, and again, I just mentioned it, but most people think we're headed towards recession in 23. I've been talking about this for a long time. I've been talking about this for over a year 
that tough times are ahead. As the Fed continues to raise interest rates, things are going to get harder, right? And most of the effects of that haven't been felt yet. So the stock market can do whatever it wants. These companies are about to report these earnings. And I think that most of the difficulties, most of the companies that need to borrow money, it's going to get harder from here. So if you have a small business and you're like, eh, things aren't too bad quite yet, reach out to Fast Foundry, see how they can help put you in the best spot possible. Because I, I personally believe things are going to get harder before they get easier. We haven't seen the effects of quantitative tightening, higher interest rates. All those things make the economy slow down. They're engineering a slowdown. That's what they're doing, right? They don't want to come out and tell you that because that's a horrible message. Like the messaging is terrible for that. But make no mistake, the Federal Reserve is actively trying to make the economy slow down, right? And they want to do it tactfully. They don't want to, they don't want to put us in recession without question, but it's really hard to do without putting us in a recession. So my advice would be to Put yourself and your business and your finances in the best spot possible. And I think that Fast Foundry and Robert Carrico and crew can really help you do that. Works Connection, use the promo code JT21. We probably need to update that since it is 2023. But if you want those Yamaha foot peg mounts that Chris Kiefer helped develop, if you want that Pro Launch start device that all the guys were ripping hole shots on at A1, think about Tomac, think about Jet Lawrence. Pro Launch start device helped those guys get to the front. It's so easy to assemble. It's so reliable. And it's used by the pros. That's the best part too. These factory teams can choose whatever they want. They could build their own if they wanted to, yet they still decide to choose Worst Connection. So that's enough right there. TL Speed Shop. These guys are a great crew. Jason Cobb and the crew down there in Wickenburg, Arizona. And I'm actually going to try to do this in April. But you fly into Phoenix. You can do it with your family. You can do a corporate event. Just you if you want. But they set up side by side, you know, like if you have, you know, think about razors, whatever. If side by side is not a word you typically use, like razors, you know, Polaris, all those things. You fly into Phoenix, they have everything dialed. You go up there, you can go to Sedona for, you know, you can go, if you've never heard of Sedona, it's just this beautiful area of Arizona north of Phoenix. That's a really big vacation spot. You can do wine tasting tours. You can even go to Baja. You can do whatever you want. They have this all dialed in. Great vacation setup. TL Speed Shop has the answer. It's just an awesome setup. Like you don't have to go out and buy a $50,000 razor, right? You can fly into Phoenix and let them take care of the rest and show you a great time. I think the corporate getaway side is something awesome, right? And as WPS has transitioned into this more corporate feel, I could see us doing something like that. It's just a really cool experience without having all to do. You get so into the weeds trying to set something like that up on your own. Or you can just fly in and be stress-free and let them do all the work and just enjoy it. So thanks to TL Speed Shop. International Vet MX Series is a new sponsor for 2023. They have their first event of the year coming up at Sandy Valley in Nevada. It's a track I've actually ridden at. And that's the first weekend in April, so that'll be really cool. But this is a group of older gentlemen that just want to have a good time. You know, they'll have typically like live music in the afternoon at the race. You get a ton of gate drops. Like they'll have like five motos on the weekend at times. So you get a ton of track time. Really cool, laid back atmosphere. Guys have been around the sport forever. Lots of vintage bikes, um, but a really cool series that these guys have put together. A bunch of different chapters um, and, and just a cool crew there. Uh, so check those guys out. International Vet MX Series. 
Um, and, and James Harris and the crew over there, are, I'm really happy to be involved with them. They're also affiliated with uh, Kiefer Inc. Testing, so you can check those guys out on his podcast as well. ProGlow Wash. Ryan and the team in Louisiana have this great product. It is power sports specific. So if you have a side-by-side, which I just mentioned, dirt bike, street bike, whatever you may have, why would you use some off-the-counter simple green or something, right? That's not built for power sports. That's what I see most people using all the time. This stuff is formulated to help get street grime, hard to remove dirt grime. A lot of you ride at tracks where the dirt is like black. I know I used to ride at tracks like that and it stains everything. I mean, your bike, your rims, your boots, everything looks like crap because of that black oily dirt. ProGlow is specifically formulated to get stuff like that off. So check those guys out. Uh, Grandstone boots. I got some brand new ones last week, brand new black ones. Haven't got to wear them yet. That's a pity. Um, but Grandstone boots will have you dialed in. I got a new belt as well. So check those, check them out. They have wallets, belts, every kind of boot you could think of from high tops to, um, all the different kind of toe caps, everything you would want, uh, different looks. And I think I have most of what they have to offer now. Um, I want these, uh, if you, if you go on their website, they have these, I think they're like Chrome Excel number eight, like the color is called number eight. Those are, I think, what I'm going to get next. Um, they're like this maroon color, really cool looking, but they just have come so far. And I've been with them from the very beginning. So Wyatt and the team there really enjoy having them on board. Last but not least, of course, Fly Racing. Uh, we launched the LE Brazen set of gear at A1. We'll have another set of LE gear coming up in the near future. So check out all the things we've been doing at flyracing.com. And actually, we have some a really cool new development coming. I can't talk about it quite yet, but I'll uh, I'll share those details in the coming weeks too. We're kind of working behind the scenes to get that dialed in. Last thing I want to talk about this week, I do have a listener question, and this comes from Zach Radenick. I'm sorry if I didn't uh, pronounce that correctly. Maybe it's Radenick. He asks, "Why do we see such violent clash crashes uh, in MXGP?" So, um, actually, sorry, I thought, yeah, yeah, okay, it is MXGP, my apologies there. He says, do I attribute that to track maintenance, stiff bike setup, riding style? Um, He says, every time I watch MXGP, it seems like somebody's having a huge get-off. I attribute that to the way the tracks are maintained. So you kind of answered it yourself. It's not stiff bike setup. Those guys in Europe typically use a softer setup. Americans like a stiffer setup, and I I think that's because they're so used to Supercross settings that they don't go as soft as the Euros do. I think it's because if you look at the tracks, if guys get out of shape, if you make a critical mistake, the way the tracks are, say, not maintained, I think it ratchets up the violence of the crash because you cross rut and in America, the tracks are worked on all the time. So if you get out of shape, it, the ruts aren't seven, <laughs> I would say seven feet deep, that's exaggerating, but there's not seven ruts across a straightaway that you're going to immediately tuck the front and flip, right? There's much more track work done. You could veer off the track or veer out of the main line and you're not going to hit something that can't be saved. So, you know, I've gotten to go to a lot of these MXGP tracks. I get to walk the track and check these things out. And sometimes what I see, I'm like, man, this, this is a recipe for disaster. Now, does that improve their bike skill? I I think it does. 
I, I think that's why you've seen a lot of those guys get so much faster and why we've run into so much difficulty at the motocross of nations over the years is because when our guys go try to ride tracks like that, they're not used to it. They're used to USA style tracks that are worked on in between motos and all day, which is, I much prefer it. I would much rather race in the USA than on MXGP tracks. But I think there's something to be said for the skill development that those guys have gone through, sometimes painfully to Zach's question, but they've found a way to go fast on those tracks. And I think they've had to develop their motorcycles in a way to allow them to be so much more forgiving to, to get around those tracks. Now they have different rules. They, they can change their bikes radically. They can have different frames and different everything to allow them to be more adaptable where we have this production rule that doesn't allow us to change very much. So there's two different disciplines there, right? That's, that's something that has to be in play there. They, you know, if, if they go to a sand track versus say a hard pack track in Italy, they would use a different frame at those two races. A lot of times we don't have that ability. We're not allowed to do that here in America. So there is something to be said there, but yes, I think to your question, Zach, a lot of the crashes are due to how brutally difficult their tracks become in the second motos because they don't work on them. If you look at a track like uh, Teutschenthal in Germany, the ruts in the second motos are like, there's like seven of them going down a straightaway and these guys are going 30 miles an hour down them. And if you make a mistake, you're going to crash huge. A track like, um, gosh, what's the name of the, the track in Northern Italy? It's like my favorite track. Trentino, right? A track like Trentino, you just see guys look like they explode off their motorcycle. It's because the dirt is rock hard. They've had ruts that formed when the track was soft. And now you're trying to navigate these rock hard cemented ruts and they just watered it on top of it. So now, you know, you're ice skating, right? Not, not really, but it feels like you're ice skating through rock hard ruts with a rocky hard base. It's just a incredibly difficult dynamic to, to ride through. And these guys are absolutely hauling through these sections. And when things go bad, that's why I think they go really bad. And you see Tim Geiser have these spectacular crashes at times. And that's just the price you pay when you are pushing the edge and the track really doesn't want you to push the edge. It's not forgiving at all. You know, in America, you can get away with those things. The dirt's soft. It's been ripped up. You can move around on it as riders that kind of rider lingo, like the track allows me to move around. European MX track, MXGP tracks don't allow you to move around at all. Like you have to pick a rut and stay in it. And as the pace goes up, as these guys push the edge more and more in those conditions, the price you pay for a mistake goes up exponentially alongside it. So uh, I think you're onto something there. It is, uh, it is a much different dynamic. And I think when our guys, you know, say, you know, next year, Motocross of Nations is in France. I think our guys will have a tough time. I think MXGP guys have a distinct advantage on a track like that. That'll be hard pack. It'll be ruddy and it'll get significantly more difficult as the afternoon goes on. Doesn't mean we can't win. I'm not saying it's an, an obstacle we can't get past. I just think it's much, much more difficult to go over there and win because of the advances and the way the tracks are over there nowadays. They're just much more skilled at it because of how much they have to do it. 
it's not that our guys are less talented. It's just when you have to face the same dynamic over and over and over, you're going to get much better at it. You're, you're just going to feel more comfortable. You're going to know how to set up your bike. And not only that, they have the ability to run whatever bike they decide. Our guys are going to show up on the same bikes they raced in America because that's what they're used to. And if it's a track like we're going to go to in France where the dirt's really hard, those guys could have a setting or a frame that's much more forgiving where our guys don't have that ability or they're not going to choose that because they haven't tested it. They're not used to it. Um, so it, it does give the MXGP contingent a little bit more of an advantage. You go to a track like Lommel where it's super soft and those guys practice there all the, well, they literally practice there all the time. Those guys could use a different frame that's longer. That's going to give them more stability over those huge rolling bumps where our guys aren't going to use that because they don't, they don't have any time on it and they're going to switch to a different frame just for one event because it's such a long process to go through that. Like you have to test everything. Like if you change the frame, it makes everything else work differently. And for our guys, they're just going to be like, no, like we're not going through an entire testing process, nor is the team going to want to do that. Or is the OEM going to even give you the budget to go through all that testing time? Uh, they're just going to say, hey, this is the bike you're on. We've been, we have this setting dialed in. Let's go do our best. So there's a lot there to unpack. But put simply, yes. Um, it does those crashes. And why you see guys flipping is because the mistakes are penalized much more heavily when you have a track that's that much more difficult. Um, so that's it for this week. I, I wanted to get a show in. I, I debated not doing one, but hey, we're in race season. There are things to talk about. I wanted to kind of walk through all of the developments of Oakland um, and how that ripple effect kind of works. Having said all that, I'm super excited for San Diego. We're going to get a dry weekend. And, you know, as we get further east and into the season, the weather stops becoming such a factor. We get into a lot more domed races. Uh, but when you have nasty weather on the West Coast to start the series, it can... <laughs> It can put a lot of races in jeopardy. We got really lucky at A1 not having rain. If you've looked at the weather in California, it's been like nonstop rain, and we got away with one there. Um, but, you know, I look back at like 2005, for those of you who remember that. A1 was a disaster, and we had just rain weekend after weekend because of that El Nino. I don't think this is El Nino. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but they have this atmospheric event going on over California right now that's just bringing tons and tons of rain into that area. It's a very unique event. Um, but yeah, we're, we're dealing with the brunt of it. So thank you again. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you to the sponsors of this podcast. Could not do it without all of you. And we'll talk to you next Sunday after San Diego. Stay